0: This is the morning brief from the Economic Times.
1: The news on the COVID vaccine front has been something of a roller coaster these last few days. The latest high, of course, is AstraZeneca's announcement of an impressive 90% efficacy for its Oxford vaccine when it was given as half a dose first, followed by a full dose. But closer home, we had some concerning news about one of our indigenous vaccines. ET had broken the story that Indian developer Bharat Biotech did not pause its trial of the CoVaccine vaccine despite an adverse event with the participant who was hospitalized. Then there's also the question of how realistic the January end to February timeline is for the initial rollout of a vaccine in India. We'll be discussing all of this and more in today's episode. From the Economic Times, I'm Indulekha Arvind, and you're listening to The Morning Brief. To discuss the latest developments on the vaccine front in India, both the good and the not so good, I have with me Dr. Srinath Reddy, President of the Public Health Foundation of India, and Tina Thakur, who reports on the health and pharma sectors for the Economic Times. Dr. Reddy, Tina, thank you for joining us today. Hi.
2: Hi, happy to be here.
1: Tina, let me start with you. You reported in a front page exclusive the other day that Bharat Biotech did not halt its vaccine trials, even though a participant in the phase one trial fell ill. The company later clarified that it had reported this incident, but how serious is a lapse like this and what's the usual protocol?
0: So the adverse event occurred in a 35-year-old participant uh, which had no comorbidities. Uh, The participant uh, was at Western India site and was hospitalized with viral pneumonitis after being administered with the vaccine. So the incident happened in August when the company was doing its phase 1 trial The usual protocol is that when there is any such event, you inform the Data and Safety Monitoring Board, uh, which is set up by the sponsor. Uh, Sponsor, in this case, is the company. And you also inform the Drug Regulatory Authority uh, of India. And then the principal investigators of other sites, because the trial is happening in other sites as well, so they should also know that there was some problem or say some adverse event that happened during the trial. In this case, what has happened is that the company uh, is saying that they had informed the Drug Regulatory Authority. We also know from our government sources that uh, they got the information uh, within a few hours and all. But nobody knows uh, how the regulator uh, decided to go ahead or give a clean chit to, to the company to go ahead with the trials, uh, even when there was a case of a serious adverse event, which becomes very big when it happens in phase one. In other countries uh, and in other um, Globally, the big companies like AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, they had paused uh, vaccine trials due to serious adverse events. And uh, here, uh, they never halted the trial uh, till the time the investigation was ongoing. And uh, this is also important because uh, there is an extensive role of government in this vaccine because ICMR is also involved. Hence, it should have been made public. But uh, nobody knows how how it happened and how uh, it got a uh, go-ahead from the regulator or from the government. Uh, so what we have seen globally is a very different uh, picture. Uh, am I correct, Dr. Reddy?
2: Well, usually there has to be an investigation into seeing whether the adverse event that has been reported or noticed is causal or coincidental. Is it likely to have been because of the vaccine? First of all, did it occur in the actively immunized group or in the control group? And secondly, if it did occur in the actively immunized group, uh, is it something that happened because of the vaccine? What is the likelihood? And what is the probability that it was just a chance occurrence and was coincidental? I believe some reports were filed with the regulatory authorities, but the reasons why the Data Safety Monitoring Board did not stop this particular trial or pause it and why the data were not shared with other centers is not clear. But they say that uh, all the stipulated procedures have been followed and the regulatory authorities of India have not really uh, observed any breach of uh, stipulated conduct. The fact that the trial proceeded means that it was not considered to be A, either serious enough, or B, that it was not considered to be causal.
1: So I'd like to discuss this particular vaccine a little further. Now, the company has said that Covaxin will have a uh, 60% uh, or so efficacy. Dr. Reddy, could you tell us what this means? Because uh, as we've read that both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have uh, an efficacy of over
2: 90%. Well, basically, the World Health Organization and many of the national regulatory authorities in several countries initially set a sort of standard uh, for declaring a vaccine to be efficacious. They said a 50% and above success rate would be adequate with a minimum lower bound of success being 30% in a 95% confidence interval. So initially the expectations were set a little low because it was thought that in such a rapidly spreading infection which is of pandemic proportions, even that success rate would be adequate. Now it turns out that the recent claims of over 90 percent success in the other vaccines is really heartening, but of course these are interim results, not yet published, not yet scientifically scrutinized, uh, and certainly not checked by regulatory authorities. So we still have to wait and see.
1: Okay. Okay, so as, as a layperson, we shouldn't uh, really judge that A is better than B at this point, right? It's, it's a little too early.
2: It, it's too early. I mean, at the moment, we would only say that these are claims that are being made, but they warrant rigorous scrutiny. There is certainly a cause for hope, but no immediate cause for exuberant celebration.
1: Okay. I think hope is what we're all looking for at this point. Uh, Coming to which, there was another story in the Times of India that India is likely to get the Oxford vaccine as early as end January. Dr. Reddy, what does that timeline signify considering the phase three trial results are not yet in? And if you could also tell us what we concretely know so far, and I'm emphasizing on concretely, about who will get it first and whether uh, you know direct procurement by private parties is possible.
2: Well, as the cliche goes, the proof of the pudding is in the eating unless these phase three trials are completed mm-hmm. and the data are fully out in the open in scientific journals and submitted to the regulatory authorities who will scrutinize it thoroughly and pass the vaccine as being effective and safe and fit enough for administration to the public. We cannot really say what the timeline is going to be. But the projections are that by end of December, possibly the regulatory authorities would have an opportunity to look at the completed trial results. And by the time the scrutiny is over, it might be January. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do we actually prioritize? It can depend upon two criteria or a mix of both. One is essentiality criteria. That means people who are like health workers, other essential services, security services will be prioritized first, because they are the ones who have to keep the system running, particularly for health protection and even for some economic and security services. The second is, of course, the vulnerability criteria, in which we say, okay, people who are at the highest risk of severe infection and possibly death should be the ones protected. Those are the elderly and those with comorbid conditions, If we have a fair amount of supply, we can cover both these groups and then proceed to the other groups. If we have a limited amount of supply, I think the essentiality criterion will take the first place. And then we'll get into the vulnerability area.
1: What about the possibility of private procurement? Because I understand that companies are also trying to procure a vaccine for
0: its employees whenever it becomes available. So uh, what is happening is that uh, everybody knows that the vaccine will be given to people in a staggered way. So there is no question of being uh, available off the shelf at pharmacies in the near future. Like you go and you get it, it's not going to happen. Uh, Presently, what is happening is that the government is uh, not looking at a scenario where everyone will uh, go to a pharmaceutical shop and gets the vaccine. Uh, That kind of availability, uh, I think, won't be there uh, until next year or say at least the next six months when the vaccine gets introduced. So the government is in touch with the vaccine makers and will fully utilize the domestic production capacity. So whatever is the production capacity is all tied up. It will be all mopped up by the union government because they are to give it to uh, the healthcare workers and people with comorbidities and all. So that's the priority areas uh, and priority uh, people that they have. There is a list that they have formed and the vaccine will be given to them and not to everyone in the country. So there is no question of any surplus left for pharmacies. Uh, this of course is, looks like a very uh, daunting task uh, and it will take a, a long time, maybe a year or even longer.
1: Got it. We also had uh, Serum Institute's Adar Punawala remark recently that the Oxford vaccine will cost about 500 to 600 rupees, while for the government, it would be around 200 rupees. Now, considering the vaccine, as you just mentioned, is supposed to be uh, taken in two doses, uh, doesn't that mean a rather expensive rollout if the intent is to cover the majority of the population?
0: It can be a very expensive affair, but it is also that, you know, it may become more effective. So, uh, this, so which would mean uh, that you would not require, uh, uh, you know, two doses. So, the availability becomes easier. So, if you look at this question from that point of view, it means that the accessibility will be more. More people will be able to get it. Uh, So at present, the government is uh, working out at the, uh, basically they're looking at for large majority uh, to make it free or or at a very low cost, maybe around $1 to $2. That's what they're looking at. Uh, But it will depend upon the type of vaccine available. uh, And also government may cross-subsidize it if the vaccine comes into the private market.
1: All right. And uh, Dr. Reddy, do you think the government should have entered into agreements with uh, vaccine manufacturers uh, like Pfizer and Moderna, like, you know, countries like the U.S. have done, for instance? Would that have changed things or are we doing what is best for us considering our domestic situation?
2: Well, I think the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are really not going to be part of our major vaccine rollout in any case. Even if they're going to be procured, they'll be procured only in small quantities because of both the cold chain considerations and also the price considerations. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Pfizer one requires minus 70 degrees or uh, even more severe freezing conditions. And the Moderna one is minus 20. And uh, the prices are also a little prohibitive. So, I think the bet is going to be on other vaccines becoming available, okay, and some of them are going to be produced in India, some of them will be licensed for manufacture in India, even if they've been developed outside, and some may have to be imported. but I think those are the deals that are being done also by the companies directly with the foreign uh, developers and manufacturers. so I think there is a hope that in by whichever the route. Uh, we need to take and possibly we may have to take uh, all the three routes. Uh, We will have an adequate uh, supply of the vaccine. But what will be the volume of production and procurement over a period of time? That will determine the supply chain rollout.
1: Hmm. There are new developments on the vaccine front nearly every week now. To round off our discussion, what are the topmost concerns for India that remain unanswered and which the government might do well to clarify? Dr. Reddy, could you take
2: that first? Well, I think uh, we need full transparency on what the plans for production and procurement are and how the rollout will take place across the whole country because the government has taken the responsibility for procurement in total and then distributing it to the various states. Simultaneously, the government must also start sharing information on the safety and efficacy of the vaccines as they come along in the public domain, because public confidence also must be built up that these vaccines are some things that they must take when they become available.
1: Is that a concern, uh, do you think, doctor, that people might have a doubt
2: Uh, Well, uh, it appears that many Indians do not have uh, much hesitancy about taking the COVID vaccine because everybody wants to get on with normal lives. And early restoration of that uh, normalcy is likely to happen through the vaccine route. We need to take people into confidence because ultimately it is the local community networks that will reinforce healthy behaviors, whether it is wearing masks or whether it is accepting vaccines. And it's important that we actually build that public confidence and participation right now. We need what I call people-partnered public health in every aspect of COVID control.
1: That's a very important point you have mentioned, Dr. Reddy. Tina, what about you? What do you think uh, the government would do well to clarify?
0: So the uh, decisions which are being taken by the government currently are uh, related to logistics. Uh, the concerns are about the availability of uh, syringes, needles, uh, given the population, it has to be given to a lot of people, so the cold chain how will it be, how will uh, we have the manpower and how do we train them to give the vaccines? How do we sensitize the public for the vaccine? Uh, it requires a huge uh, investment uh, from from the government even if because if they have to give it to people the suppose the healthcare workers or say people with comorbid. Comorbidities. they require a lot of investments Uh, so uh, the government is working on that I have also got to know that probably uh, the uh, the funds from PM care uh, will be utilized uh, in vaccination Uh, so there is a huge amount of investment which is uh, going to be uh, taking place and the costing and obviously they they have they are still working it out but costing and other things Uh, will occur subsequently uh, based upon the vaccine uh, availability and the doses which we'll have to give and how we distribute it.
2: And one more point I would like to mention here is the government must clarify who is going to pay for the vaccines. Basically, control of a pandemic is a public good. And if you do not give vaccine to everybody, then you're likely to see that people who are non-immunized can spread it to the other susceptible people who have not yet received the vaccine. These are called negative externalities. So the government has to pay for the vaccine. How it is going to get it subsidized by the employers and others, it's a scheme that can be worked out. But the responsibility for making sure that all those who need it will get it in this kind of a situation is that of the government.
1: Okay, so evidently, we'll need to wait a little bit longer for that very important question to be answered. And we had various political parties also promise uh, free vaccines to the population. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. But in the meanwhile, Dr. Reddy, Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you
2: so much. Most welcome. Let's look forward to better times.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> News about the vaccine is something we have all evidently hung our hopes on, but as both Dr. Reddy and Tina have highlighted, there are many moving paths that are yet to fall in place before we have clear timelines and answers to several questions. What can help though is transparency from players involved and clear communication from the government on various fronts so that citizens know what to expect realistically. Meanwhile. We at The Economic Times will be tracking each development in the vaccine race closely for our readers. That's it from me today. You're listening to The Morning Brief from The Economic Times, and I'm Induleka Arvind. Today's episode was edited by Shashwat Mohanty and John Shako and coordinated by Shashwat. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Do send us your feedback to the Morning at timesgroup.com and share it on your social media networks. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a great day.
0: avas.com